Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Hey, look, these things are all normal. This is all natural. The way you're feeling is 100% normal, even though society tells you otherwise. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulvia Jaffarli, a data scientist in Italy. Although I'm living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail. Do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. I think when we get into tech, at least when I got into tech, I thought you need to have like a bazillion person company and you have to raise money and you have to like IPO and you have to be on the cover of magazines and all these kind of like social indicator things to show that you've succeeded. But what if none of that is true? And what if true success is just living a really, really great life behind closed doors? What if that is the actual success? The kind that no one sees? And what if we don't need to be on social media to succeed? What if that's a falsity as well? What if that blog post, A Thousand True Fans, is super accurate and we only need a thousand true fans to build a profitable business. If that were the case, couldn't we just, you know, in a process-like way, reach out to a breakdown of a thousand people over a year, over two years, and build a profitable company so we could have the the life that we want to live and serve the people in the way that we want to serve people? I think we're under all these false pretenses that are served up to us and become the norm that, you know, we're becoming behind if we're not on social and if we're not 
connected to our phone 24-7 and, and this and then that and this and that. But I think when we get down to the core fundamentals of like what creates a nourishing life, it's none of the stuff that it seems to be. The stuff that makes us feel like we're in a rat race constantly trying to keep up, that's not the stuff that actually makes us successful anyway. <laughs> that's my my musings of the morning. I hope you enjoy the next episode. Bye. Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest, who is one of my best friends coming at us from Austin, Texas. I actually met her through tech. Welcome, Amanda. (laughs) Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a treat to be able to speak to you today. This is so cool. Very difficult not to talk about girlfriend stuff. Um, Very difficult. (laughs) But I'm trying to keep it profesh. So far failing, but it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) let's jump into it you live in austin texas now but you lived in los angeles for a while and we got to meet through your co-working space that housed like some of the best tech companies so i want to get into that but before that when did you first be even become interested in technology and i'm forgetting to go ahead and introduce yourself too. introduce yourself and tell everybody like (laughs) who you are and what you do i'm i'm so all over the place (laughs) So my name is Amanda Tice and I am a curve model. I've been a curve model for the last 13 years now. It goes by really fast. I'm also the former founder of Hatch Studios, which was in LA. And I just wrote a new book that I'm super excited and pumped about called The New Mom Code, Shatter Expectations and Crush It at Motherhood. I love it. And today's topic, we're going to focus heavily on, you know, the little trips, tips, and hacks to be a working mom and dynamic at it. But first, let's start with when you even became interested in technology. When was that for you? You know, it's technology is funny because I felt like as a child that, you know, was born in the 80s, technology wasn't really introduced to me until I was in maybe sixth or seventh grade. The first motivation I remember for getting interested in technology is actually because I had a long distance crush and I wanted to figure out how to type so that I could type on AOL instant messenger. (laughs) (laughs) And so I remember, I don't know if you remember Mavis Beacon back in the day, Uh but Mavis Beacon was like a typing learning program. And my dad was like, technology is the future. Like you need to learn how to type. And so he tried to set me up to do all these courses for typing and I never did them. And then as soon as I got this crush, I'd get on AOL Instant Messenger and I was like, oh, I have to figure this out. Like, this is important for me to figure out how to type. And and when that happened, I remember my dad coming in and he was like, why are you just pounding on the keyboard? Like, it's not your, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, I'm typing to, you know this guy. He was like, what? He was like, you know how to type and this fast. And so that kind of opened the doorway to me. And then, you know, during that time, which is probably what this is, we're looking at 1996, 1997 is kind of when the internet started to explode as well. And for me, I was very interested in 
what was going on behind the scenes, what was making a website appear the way it looked. Right. And because of that, I think I took the uh, unusual path of deciding during the summers that I wanted to do cyber camp (laughs) instead of doing, you know, all these other options for things like cheerleading camp. That was never going to be me. You know, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to cyber camp. But I was also strategic about my tech love because I was like, well, what do we think the ratio of boys to girls is (laughs) at a cyber camp, you know? (laughs) So true. I know. So I was like, it was great. There were three girls and probably 200 boys. (laughs) Amazing. And what did you study at cyber camp? I studied C++. And, you know, by the end of cyber camp, I had made my very own Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan page. That's the nerd. Awesome. I mean, I'm such a nerd. I mean, there, it's fundamentally ingrained in me from, you know, <laughs> being a child. So funny. And then when did you start modeling? So I fell into modeling. Before I was a model, I was a news anchor and a reporter. And I just, for me, it was not the right fit because it takes such, it takes someone who is really good at not being emotional. And I'm an emotional person. I have a very hard time not showing my emotions on my face. And because you're on camera and on screen, when something, you know, traumatic happens or something that's difficult, I just have a hard time. Like if the person across from me is crying, then I feel like I need to cry. So I, I I found out very quickly into that career path that it wasn't going to be the right fit for me. But the catalyst to me starting to model was in 2008 when the economy tanked. I had been doing freelance for MSNBC and MTV. Um, and they were all like, we love you, but we can only pay you half of what we were paying you before. And I was living in New York City and... Uh, you can't survive in New York City on half of what right. you were getting paid before. So I randomly did a background job as an extra on a television program. And I met this photographer who also was a background actor. And he said, hey, you know, I really think you could be a plus size model. I was like, really? Like, what is that? Because, you know, back then, plus size models were not very common. And he's like, well, it's just, you know, a model that's a little bigger. So I was like, okay. He said, let me take some pictures of you. And then if you decide that you want to go down that route, you know, you can submit these. So I went and took some pictures with him. And um, one day in early 2009, I was like, okay, I'm not making enough money. I have to pay my rent. What am I going to do? I took the pictures that he had taken of me. And I walked into Wilhelmina on an open call and they signed me that day. So 13 years later, I am still modeling. I'm not with Wilhelmina anymore. I'm with one management who I actually really love, who came, the two agents I have came from Wilhelmina when I was there. So it was great. But yeah, it's been almost 13 years now and I am an old lady model and I love it. <laughs> and and the thing that I really admire about you is even having a robust career modeling um you touch back into your roots of like being really interested in entrepreneurship and technology and built a really amazing co-working space in LA. So what inspired that and what happened there? 
You know, I think the interesting thing about being in the fashion industry is let's be honest, it doesn't really work out your intellectual muscles very much. (laughs) And I kind of felt this sense of like, modeling is great. And I do, I love it for the travel. I love it for the interesting people I get to meet. But it wasn't stimulating me in a way that I felt was really necessary to the core of my being. And, you know, my husband works in real estate. So we were both like, well, you know, having a co-working space could be something amazing for both of us because I love spending time around people and I love kind of understanding new things and entrepreneurs and using my connections to help people in different ways. And so Hatch was born and, you know, Hatch is very fitting because for us, it was just like we were hatching into a new part of our lives and the new experience and you know, that, that, that was great. And I was so excited for the fact that when I was a part of Hatch Studios, it wasn't really about me. It was this amazing community that, that formed sort of organically that all these tech companies came together in a way that wasn't corporate feeling at all. It felt more like a family and the space that we actually had was, I feel like pretty unique to what else is out there now. Mm-hmm. What's been just outstanding is you've always been really career-driven. Like, I've never known you not to be career-driven, but it's always also been really important to you to be a mom. And then you ended up becoming a mom with this, like, incredible child, George. So (laughs) walk us through that because I remember in the beginning, becoming a mom was very – like scary for you in the sense of like, okay, where's my career fit with motherhood? Like how, how do I have a relationship with both and feel like I'm taking care of myself and taking care of my child and not leaving my child whatsoever. So what was that process like for you? I chose to become a mother, you know, um, my husband and I were trying to have a baby at the time that we did have a baby, but it was concerning for me because my you know, bread and butter, the money that I make is based on my physical appearance. And obviously your body changes when you get pregnant and you do not know what it's going to look like when you cease to be pregnant. So, you know, there was that concern for me of, okay, well, what am I going to do after I have George? And is it going to be modeling? I mean, I also have to take into account my age. When I had George, I was, you know, 33 years old. So in the modeling world, 33 is very old. And then to try to jump back and work again in any sort of capacity was kind of an anomaly. The fact that I've been able to model for as long as I have, you know, relatively full time to the point where I can, you know, make a living doing it, I feel like is is unusual. So I feel very grateful for that. But it's also something I've worked very hard to maintain as well. But yeah, in terms of becoming a mom, it it really did shake me to my core. I think the one thing that people always want to plan in advance, right? And you just can't do that when you become a mom. You think, oh, pregnancy is going to be this way. Then I'm going to go back to work and I'm going to do this and I'm going to feel this way. But it totally is a whole different phenomenon than you could ever possibly imagine. I mean, one thing that I do talk about in my book is this anthropological phenomenon called matricence 
which a lot of people don't even know what that is. No, and I don't the know Webster's, what that is. The, yeah, and the Webster's Dictionary does not even uh, have a definition for it. But what it is, is Dana Raphael in 1973, she was an anthropologist, and she studied this, this term she coined, matricense. And what matricense is, is it's similar to the developmental push of adolescence. So as soon as a mother gets pregnant and has a baby, they go through a transition that is not only physical, but it's emotional and spiritual and psychological, and it completely changes the person that they are. And so people don't talk about this for whatever reason, this isn't something that's normally discussed, but it's something that does happen. And so I think, you know, part of the reason I chose to write this book and I wanted to write this book was because I felt like there's just not a lot of transparency about what motherhood entails. And there's a lot of, oh, congratulations, you're going to enter this, you know, new stage of your life and everything's going to be amazing. But people forget to mention the part of, well, you're actually going to be going through, like I said, a developmental push like adolescence, and you're going to become a completely different person just through the process of getting pregnant and having a child. You have to go through this and able to support a child because if your body didn't do certain things, you would not be able to, <laughs> to handle having a child. I mean, there, there, there are certain hormones that you have that keep you from basically losing your mind. I mean, you talk about your oxytocin levels go up when right. you are in the pregnancy phase because you have to bond with your child. And if they don't, then it's very easy to get postpartum depression. And there are all these things that happen that you would not yeah. expect or no one can prepare you for. So like I said before, it, it was, I tried as much as I could to, you know, have a handle on what I thought a working mother was going to be. But the reality <laughs> of what being a working mother is, is not the same. Is that what inspired you to write the book? And remind everybody what the book title is and where to find it so they could all cyberstalk you while they're listening. Yes, please. Um, the name of the book is The New Mom Code, Shatter Expectations and Crush It at Motherhood. You can find it now on Amazon and on Barnes and Noble. Right now it's on pre-sale, but hopefully by the time this is released, it will be uh, available to purchase. And so is that what inspired you to write the book is, is wanting to have this control over what it was to be a working mom and then discovering like, oh, I guess I can't have control <laughs> in the sense that I wanted it. Is that, or was it something else that inspired you to write the book? The fundamental reason I chose to write this book was because I felt like there are just so many taboo topics that mothers don't discuss in between themselves that need to be discussed, that need to be normalized. There is also transition and who you become where you lose yourself. So this book is really all about answering questions of like, who am I now that I've become a mom? you know, what do I want to do now that I've become a mom? And what does my, what do my career options potentially look like now that I've become a mother? Like, how can I use the strengths I've gained by becoming a parent to transition into maybe a completely different career, which is what, you know, would kind of happen with me, right? It, it was the same sort of a thing. It's like, if I had not become a mother, I wouldn't have had a book to write, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I felt a need in the market 
for a book that was focused on mothers and motherhood. A lot of the books that are currently on the market are focused on parenting and parenting is great. There are so many wonderful parenting books out there that I would recommend to people. However, the number of books that are focused on what the mother goes through from the time, you know, they give birth until about three or four years postpartum, there are not very many books out there that address those types of topics. Because in my book, you know, I talk about everything from, you know, how difficult it is to breastfeed, to burnout, to postpartum sex, to planning for the future. But they're all focused on what you can do as a mother and what you're experiencing. And it, they, the book gives you journal prompts and exercises to do that help you understand where you are in your parenting and motherhood journey. And what was your process in writing a book? Like writing a book is, I mean, I've been writing a book for way too long. It's hard. It's just so hard. It's so hard, especially when you don't have like a boss over you saying, you have to get this book done. I mean, maybe you did. Did you find a publisher right away? Did you have that kind of timeline constraint or like, what was that process for you writing this book? So no, I did not have a publisher beforehand. After speaking with the publisher, I did it the untraditional way, which is most people write a book proposal, or this is what you should do. You write a book proposal And then you send the book proposal to literary agents and then literary agents shop your book proposal to a publisher. That's like a more traditional process. But for me, I didn't know that there was such a process and I had written my entire manuscript before I even started looking for publishers to take on my book. So my my process was definitely not a typical one in that way. But in terms of writing it, you know, it, it took me 18, a bit between 18 months and two years to write my book. It didn't happen as quickly as I probably would have liked it to. Totally. But it also wouldn't have been the book that it is without me being where I am mm-hmm. as a mother now. So I think that had I written it two years ago, it wouldn't have been as valuable as it is today because I just have so much more experience as a mother now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I did not also do the traditional, like try to sit down at a computer and, you know, bang out a chapter in 24 hours or, you know, give myself more of a structure. I, it kind of happened more of a, oh, that happened to me. That was really funny. I need to write a story about this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I would be up at two o'clock in the morning and I would be on my iPhone typing, kind (laughs) of being like, oh, well, you know, this is what I'm going through right now. And this is how I'm feeling. And I feel like I'm not the only one who's feeling this way. And how could I write something that would impact other mothers and they would feel a sense of, you know, understanding with whatever I was going through. So A lot of my book was actually, you know, written on my iPhone in the notes section. So it's not, that's not normal. I feel like most people either they like to be on their laptop or sometimes people like to handwrite it. I know, you know, one of the authors I know handwrote their entire first book, which I think is really interesting. 
you know, for me, it was kind of like, okay, there are all these topics that I felt like people weren't being transparent about. And those were the topics I wanted to cover so that new mothers could say, hey, could see, hey, look, these things are all normal. This is all natural. The way you're feeling is 100% normal, even though society tells you otherwise. Society (sighs) tells you it's not normal, but it is normal. You know, totally. The first thing that that came to mind was there's no right way to write. Just write. Right. (laughs) I agree. I mean, I agree with you. Right. Right. I mean, I think it's one of those things where people, especially if you went to college and you have any sort of writing background. Me. Yes. But what happens in those situations is you think, oh, I have to write like a term paper. You think of it more in in a structure of a term paper. Yeah. And I think that actually inhibits you from moving forward because you you get stuck on the formatting of things instead of focusing on the actual content. Right. So it, st- it, it stops you from being able to get a flow going when you're yeah. writing instead of just writing wherever you're going or when something you know, inspires you stopping whatever you're doing and jotting down some notes. Like all of those things I think actually really help. There were so many of my chapters of my books that were written at two or three o'clock in the morning laying next to George, you know, in a blow up mattress, right? Like that would never have been a way I feel like a typical person would have written a book. There's so many driven women who are listening right now and men who like want to cheer women on and see them succeed. I feel like everybody listening, we all have the same ambitious personality and I'm positive there's a huge chunk of us that want to be an author too. What would you say, but they don't have any experience on how to get there. Like listening to you is their first exposure to like, wait. I don't have to go to school to become an author. Like I could, like, how does this work? You know, Um, what's the first kind of guidance you would give them if they dream of having like a book published one day? And um, yeah. And then I have another question related to that. But yeah, if they dream of having a book published one day, what would be that first guidance you give them? It's simple, but just start writing. You know, I think people are so, like I said, they're so bogged down in how is this supposed to look? How should this look? doesn't matter how it should look. Maybe you'll write in a fashion that is so groundbreaking and new that you'll change the industry, right? So I just feel like if you can take the time to sit down and write about something that inspires you, then you're already on your way to being able to write a book. It's just a question of making the time and not being scared to be successful. Mm -hmm. You know, scared well, to be successful. Yeah, you are. You're, exactly. you're either, yeah, yeah. Well, it was interesting the other day because I actually had a lunch meeting with my publisher and he was, he wasn't asking for career advice, but he was asking career advice kind of for his daughter, who I think is about 21 or 22. And, you know, what I would recommend or, you know, she was interested in television and whatnot. But I was saying, I feel like a lot of people are so focused on success instead of being focused on what they enjoy. So they look for routes of how they can either make a lot of money or become famous or whatever those things are. And they lose sight of the fact that what's actually important is that you choose something you love. 
And even if you choose something you love that seems ridiculous, if you actually love it and are passionate about it, that's when you find success. It's not the other way around. And I, I think people get really, you know, I don't even know what the right word is, but they stop themselves from being successful by focusing on the success instead of what it is that they actually want to do with their lives and spend their lives doing. Recently, I've been getting these opportunities to be a part of things that have the potential to be like big tech. And the first thing I think to myself is what I enjoy my life day to day. And when I ask questions like that in these meetings, the responses are like, but there will be big investment money and then there will be this. And I'm like, okay, but like, am I going to enjoy my life day to day? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, like, because if I apply the next, you know, two to four years of my life, is that the life I want to live? Like, or how, like, what, what's my probability on money I could make if I don't have all of that stress? <laughs> like, right, right, right. And for sure. So it's really interesting how kind of like jaded we are as a society by forgetting that the point is to enjoy life. Like, right, right. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, for me, it wasn't when I started writing this book, I never had the expectation of necessarily getting it published. It was more for me that I love writing and I've journaled since I was in fourth grade and I love the way I feel when I'm writing. And so it just it it kind of just happened in that way because it was something that I loved to do anyway. And then once I kind of had my manuscript done, I was so elated because I was like, wow, this could actually have an impact on so many mothers. Like I put together something that if it just impacts one mother and makes her journey into motherhood just a little bit, you know, more tolerable and happy and makes her life better in some way, it would have all been worth the time expenditure, you know, but that's, that's why I'm not focused necessarily on selling as many books as possible and, you know, making all this money, becoming an author. Like my focus is more on how many, you know, new mothers can I impact with this book? Because I really feel like it is impactful enough that, you know, it can make a big change to someone's life and change their perspective and make their experience that much better. Two more questions about writing the book. And then I want to get back to being a mom. Yeah. One, I think everybody will be curious. So did you decide to, you've you've used the word publisher, but you also sell on Amazon. And I think people are, are probably wondering like, did you decide to self-publish on Amazon? So what's publisher mean? Or do you have a publisher and now you're selling in different places? Like what path did you take self-publishing or publishing? And what role does your publisher play in this whole process? So no, I did not self-publish. I published through Mandala Tree Press. And their you know responsibility as a publisher is to make sure that you get as much distribution as possible. So obviously you cannot take Amazon out of the picture because I feel like Amazon is the number one bookseller, probably even over Barnes and Noble. Their purpose and goal is to get my book into as many places as possible. So it will, you know, it will be on Amazon, it will be at Barnes and Noble. Hopefully it should be on, you know, Target Online. And 
probably at local bookstores, you know, at least in the Austin area to begin with as well. So the publisher does take on the responsibility of getting your book out there. Whereas if you do self-publish, you are constrained typically to one platform, whether you publish, I think you can actually self-publish through Barnes and Noble. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think you can, but most people choose to self-publish through Amazon. And I understand why you would choose to self-publish. You get a lot more control over, you know, your work and your rights to your work. But at the same time, I chose to go with a publisher because the publisher I have in particular, you know, has more of a customized approach. And he really believed in my story and he really believed in me as a person. And I think those things were compelling enough for me to want to publish through him instead of trying to self-publish or to go with a you know major publishing house. And how did you um, find your publisher? I actually listened to a podcast called How to Become a Media Maven. And one of her guests was Azul Taronis, who is the owner of Mandala Tree Press. And during their podcast interview, he said he used to be a teacher and he's always like, I'm, he's also a book coach. And he said, you know, feel free to reach out to me directly on Instagram if you know you're interested in book coaching services or whatever it is. And so I just sent him a DM on Instagram and, you know, the next thing I knew we had a Zoom conversation and we just had really great energy. And, you know, he started to coach me at the beginning with my book because I was, I would say at that point, I was 80 to 90% done with my manuscript. And then the more he coached me, the more it just became clear that we had a very close relationship. And that's how we got to the point of creating this sort of book deal through his publishing company. So cool. Yeah. And the last question I'm excited to ask related to writing a book, how does it feel to officially be an author and have a book? It feels very crazy. It doesn't feel real. And it feels even crazier when you get your first copy. She's holding up her book right now. That is so exciting. I can't wait. I just got this on Monday. So I still have not processed that it's a real live book with, you know, cover design and that's actually something that will go into stores. I want to take a screenshot of us. Wait, I want to take a screenshot right now. This is the time. Ready? One, (laughs) two, three. I'm so excited. Yeah, I I was very excited. He surprised me with this. So I, it's wow. pretty crazy. It's real. Can't believe wow. it's real. Wild. That's so it's cool. Oh wild. my gosh, that's so exciting. So Plus the, ti- the timeline was also insane because we only met in April of 2021. And my book is going to be released and on shelves by January of 2022. So the turnaround for a publisher to get from like our very first introduction to actually being on the shelves in less than a year is just, it blows my mind. And and do you want to share one more time, like who that is? So in case somebody wants, and we'll include in the show notes too, but in case somebody wants to like Google search, if they're working on publishing their book or on a writing coach. Yeah. Yes, for sure. His name is Azul Tarones. 
So I don't, I, I think it's A-Z-U-L, Tyrone's T-E-R-R-O-N-E-Z. He's a book coach for authors who lead. And his, the name of his uh, publishing company is Mandala Tree Press. Cool. So any yeah. any aspiring writers out there, now you have a resource. I know how scary that can be. Yeah. And, and he's fantastic because he's a book coach too. So cool. Getting back to being a working mom. So what are some of the things that you want to leave us with of just like by reading your book, what will we walk away with after reading it? I think the number one thing that new moms need to understand, working or otherwise, is that they're not alone. I I mean, there was a, a study that came out from the UK of 2000 moms and 90% of them said that they felt alone in the first year of having a baby. And I think it was something close to 70% said that they found, found that they were friendless. Mm. So there is this just, you know, which is so sad. I mean, if you think about it, it's so sad. There's all of this aloneness and suffering that happens, I feel like, as a new mom, especially, again, as a working mom, too, that you feel like you know, you don't know what to do with yourself. You don't know who to ask certain questions. You're not sure if, you know, the people you're talking to or the right people, you're also not sure how to make new mom friends, uh, especially if none of your friends have had children yet. This book really addresses a lot of the questions that I feel like new moms have that they're kind of too afraid to ask their other friends because these mm. topics are so taboo when they shouldn't be. But the other thing that is, you know, paramount these days, which is becoming more and more popular, which is great, you know, a lot of this book is focused on, as I said, journal prompts and exercises, because there's so many things that I feel like a new mother you need to do for self-care. And people do not want to prioritize self-care. They just don't. They think that they're being selfish, right? At the end of the day, I feel like so many mothers feel like, you know, I'm always prioritize my children and my job and you as a person and an individual falls to the very bottom of the list. And I think there is this misconception that you can still make it all work. You can have your cake and eat it too. But if you're not taking care of yourself, everything in your life will start to kind of fall apart. That's when you get burnout. That's when, you know, you kind of lose yourself either in your career or in your child. And it's all because you've forgotten who you are and you've Mm -hmm. forgotten to be who you want to be. And this book is really all about connecting you with, you know, who you were before, who you are now, and how to bridge that gap to either make you feel less alone or understand how you're going to be able to juggle being a working mother and a parent and where you fall into that, like where you fall into that dynamic. So, you know, that's, that's really important. That's like the, the cornerstone of what this book is all about. I think, I think self-care as a mother or even, you know, before that, it's something just being a woman. Sometimes we, at least I'm just going to speak for myself because I don't want to speak for others. I have such a protective giving nature that I do like totally self-sacrifice. And then, and then I wonder why I'm so tired and, and don't have the energy to, 
show up to anyone because I'm I'm just depleted. And I think self-care throughout our life, just living is so important. I can't even imagine having to take care of a child on top of that. It's just like, it's like double, double whammy of like needing self-care. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I mean, the best example always will be and is for sure. You know, when Every time you've seen an airplane video, safety video, what do they say? They say, put "Put on your mask mask before before helping others, right? Yeah. So it's funny how we just don't prioritize ourselves that way in our everyday lives when we should. The only way you can really be a great mother is if you take care of yourself. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not projecting to your child whatever it is that you want them to learn or to be or to behave, all of that self-care makes you a better mother and it makes you a happier person. I mean, that's, you know, that's what this is all about. Like this book is really about making your journey so much better, happier, more enriching, right? And a big part of that is making sure that you take care of you. 100%. One of my my girlfriends is a new mom and we were talking the other day and she she I had caught her while she was reading and she had been reading for 45 minutes like a book in the other uh-huh. room and she had family looking after her her children in the next room and she said I feel like I'm such a bad mom because like I'm I'm reading in the other room when I should be out there like I'm like your kids are okay they're with fa- like you're right, allowed right, to right. read for 45 minutes right. like read your book it's okay and it's very very interesting psychological journey like and it sounds like a really really difficult obviously you know I'm not a mom so but it just sounds like whenever I see my friends go through it, it sounds like an extremely extremely difficult journey and I think it's great that you wrote a book so people don't feel alone in that journey because that's the worst feeling to feel like it, it, it totally invisible. is yeah. right and my you know the whole mom guilt thing is very real I think a lot of mothers feel guilt when they try to do things for themselves But like I said before, if you don't prioritize yourself, you're not going to end up being the best mother to your child. I mean, that's that's just fundamentally how it is. And I I also think, you know, it's funny how when you do give birth to a child, there is this whole idea that overnight you have a sense of what you're doing and no one knows what they're doing. They don't, <laughs> they don't hand you a manual to tell you what you should be doing. They just assume that, okay, well, you gave birth to this, you know, this child. Now, you, you know, you know, the purpose of life, right? Like it's, it's absurd to me how little we are coached, you know, culturally in terms of how we should take care of our children and, you know, how to make friends and, how to deal with all of these very complex emotional issues with zero guidance yeah. from like a governmental perspective or a social perspective. There's, there's no guidance, which I, I just think is, it's sad, really. It's why so many women are suffering, in my opinion, and moms are suffering. It's a, it's a lot to balance. You're asking, you know, every mom to be super human. And, you know, that's just not possible. At a certain point, you break. Totally. 100%. Well, I'm glad you are not breaking. (laughs) No, I'm not breaking right now. Doesn't mean I won't be, you know, a week from now. But that's just how it goes with parenting. Like, we were talking about self-care, right? It's like, you can't just do it once. I can't go get one massage. It's like, 
it has to be an ongoing process that you're working on yourself. It's a journey. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Totally. Where can people connect with you? People can connect with me either through email at amandatice at gmail.com. I am also on Instagram at Amanda Tice. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And you can also find me on Facebook. I just started a new mom code Facebook community. Nice. And it's really fun. And I really like it because I've got, you know, a couple hundred mothers so far together. And I try to post regularly about just kind of the uh, growing pains of being a mom. And it's just called the new mom code Facebook group. So you should be able to find it. It is private. So you do have to request it. But I do that because I want to make sure that all the people that are, yeah, exactly. So yeah. you can, and, and you can anonymously post as well in there as well. It, you can anonymously post in there as well. If you have like a very, you know, if you have a question that you're embarrassed to ask. Right. Ah, yeah. I bet that happens all the time too. Yes, there are a lot of people who really don't. They do. There's so many things that you have to go through as a mother that just seem strange. Like, okay. My son has this strange rash on his like right butt cheek. You know, do I need to be going to urgent care or can someone other mother have they ever experienced this? And then it's like, oh yeah, no, that's just diaper rash, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, uh, you know, new, new moms. It's like, we're expected to know everything and we don't have any real resources besides like WebMD to, you know, get answers to some of these questions. <laughs> Um, there's two last questions I like to ask. One's a selfish question because I'm so geeky. So the selfish question is what is your go-to like website or mobile app that you just can't live without? You know, it's funny because you would think that there would be a lot, but I actually really love the Canva app. So you introduced me to the Canva app. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe that was six years ago when no one knew about it. So it was fantastic because I'd show up with these beautiful presentations and social media posts that would look like I was a graphic designer. And now, I mean, nowadays they just have so many templates and it's so customizable. And I just feel like it's so easy and seamless that I, I, I feel like I couldn't, I couldn't do a lot of my social media without Canva. So that's a great I, that, one. that that's that's my go-to app. Uh, that's a really great one. The best piece of advice that you've ever gotten. Ooh, that in my entire life, but in regards to what? Let's I mean, keep it in like, regards if, to business. In regards to or business. Or maybe even let's keep it on top in regards to being a working mom. Ooh. I mean, I think the best piece of advice you can really give to anyone is just to keep going right? To get yourself out there, to be present in your community. Because at the end of the day, half of the opportunities I have had have been because I have just been out and about. And I meet someone who ends up knowing someone. But, you know, part of it is really just putting yourself out there and not being afraid to ask strangers questions and really going after what it is that you want. And to other people, it may look ridiculous. You know, I had a period of my life where I, you know, moved to Germany for three months and everyone thought I'd lost my mind. But it was because after having a baby, you know, George was 18 months old. I wanted to go work again. And the best place I could work was in Germany. 
So I moved my family to Germany so I could pursue my career as a 35-year-old, right? (laughs) So, you know, my modeling career as a 35-year-old. So it's just putting yourself out there. You know, sometimes you know the right place in the right time. Sometimes you don't. But every step you take is a step. And each of those steps will hopefully eventually lead you to whatever your goal is. And aside from the new mom code, what is a book that you recommend that we read? Oh, that is a very hard question. I just started reading The Full Spirit Workout by Kate Ekman, who's a friend of mine. And I'm really loving it right now. So I would definitely recommend it. It talks about how to kind of work on yourself from the inside out, because we're always talking about physical health, but not mental health. Mm. So it it focuses really on getting to a mental space where you feel strong and resilient. And similar to my book, it also has journal prompts in it as well, which I think is an important piece to getting to the core of what you really feel about things. Amanda, I'm proud of you. You're amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so happy that I got to be on your show. It's an honor. Oh my God. It's an honor to know you. And you know, I, you know, I don't say that lightly. Like I, I'm just, I'm so proud of you. I can't believe you got your book done. It's such a hard thing to do for anybody. So it's just amazing. Thank you so much for hanging out with the women in tech. Yeah, thank you so much. Have a a wonderful evening. Yes. So to connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I'll see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Amanda Tice. I am the author of The New Mom Code, which is a transformational guidebook that helps mothers shatter unrealistic expectations and crush it at motherhood. I am currently based in Austin, Texas, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.